as you find your seats, if you'll turn me in your Bible, we're going to look at two places this morning. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. We're also going to be in the prophet Isaiah, who was uh, some 700 years before the birth of Jesus, and really look at one verse and those two that's basically the same verse. One of my, my favorite things, one of the traditions I have at Christmas, uh, again, is uh, reading as many Christmas sermons as I can to hear the voices of those who have gone before me. And there's a member here, a, a war veteran, a World War II flyer, who's a neighbor of mine, Bill Hepburn, uh, taught at Rollins College, an uh, incredible couple, he and Eileen. And Bill has, over the years, given me different uh, books. And, and he actually gave me a whole set of books They were all sermons. They were sermons that were preached over the years and they're put together uh, topically so you could go at Christmas time, pull out this book like I always do, sit down and read a few sermons. It's interesting, one of the sermons I read was preached by a Scottish preacher. He's also a, uh, he was a seminary professor and he was preaching in the mid-1800s and he was lamenting. Uh, He was just grieving over the state of humanity. He was saying, boy, our young people these days, the temptation they have to face, the things that they are enduring. And he looked around and he said, you know, there's so much pain. There's so much sorrow. I I must preach a a sermon on comforting God's people. I'm sitting here thinking, this dude preached this in the mid-1800s? Man, If I could bring them to me right now and say, you want to look at some misery? You want to look at what our young people are facing today? You want to see what the world is like today? You thought it was bad then? Let me look now. In the midst of that, we still have hope that God truly has come. He's come as Emmanuel, God with us. And because of that, he's come to bring us comfort. This is a time in our church history we need it. This was a tough week. I mean, when we, we hear the news of the passing of Saul Cruz, I mean, losing someone who for the last 30 or so years has been an incredibly dear brother, who's been an incredible teacher to so many of us, an incredible pastor to so many, a, a ministry partner that has taught us so much. And to hear that he has tragically and unexpectedly passed away. You know, upon hearing news like that, there's, there's like this immediate longing you have that you want to be there. You just, you just want to be there because as you love them, you just are brokenhearted for them. And, and you know, what, what can you do? But just so longing to be with them and try to bring them comfort any way, shape you can to weep with them. Scripture says we should weep with those who weep, to to reminisce with them. I'm hearing stories that Joe is sending back saying as the stories are being told of how Saul had preached the gospel and word and deed to so many. To do anything that you possibly can to, to bring comfort to Pilar, his widow, to their family and friends. There's some things in life, uh, there's some events in our lives where it just wouldn't work to send somebody else. You just have to be there yourself. It simply would be intolerable for you not to go into certain situations. That's how it was with Pastor Joe Creech. I mean, Pastor Joe and, and Saul, I mean, 
They've had 30 years of serving Jesus together, and, and he's had experienced brokenness like he never has. He, he sent me a text this morning, says, I've never cried as hard as I have in the last three days. But Joe had to be there. He had to get there personally. You know how our God works? In God's providence, Joe was heading down there to lead our Acapulco trip and was able to make the trip uh, across to Mexico City. Christmas. Christmas is the celebration that God, longing to be with us, God, longing to comfort us, was unwilling to send anybody but himself. The guy says, I'm showing up. I'm coming personally. It, it hurts too bad. I personally have to go and bring comfort, bring peace, bring my presence to my people. I have to be there. That's the celebration of Emmanuel. That's why we give him that name. God with us. To comfort us. But to do more. To rescue us. But to do more. But to adopt us and bring us into his family. We're going to read about this birth in Matthew chapter 1 verse 23. And then we'll also read in Isaiah who 700 years before Jesus was born would say, Exactly the same thing. Let's hear God's word to comfort us today. Matthew 1, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Turn with me to Isaiah 7. Isaiah 7, verse 14 says this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold the promise. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Let us pray. Father God, we gather as your people in desperate need of your presence in desperate need of the reality of a God who, who loves us, a God who is for us, a God who wants us. Can it be so? Can it be true that, that the holy living God of the universe could love sinners like us that deeply, that tangibly, that truly amazingly? God, we ask because you are Emmanuel that the spirit of Jesus would come and, and truly dwell with us and be with us. That God, you for your glory and, and for the comfort of your people, that you, you would give us ears to, to hear your voice, Emmanuel. That you would give us minds to understand your word, God, with us. That each one of us would have a heart that is filled with your presence. God, I pray in the name of Jesus and for the glory of Jesus that there would not be a heart here that would leave here not being filled with the joy and the comfort of God with us. And God, we ask that you would be with us in such a powerful way that as we do walk out of here, we would walk in a manner that's, that's worthy of your name, empowered by the reality that as we go, you go with us. What a great God. 
And God, the things that I say that are wrong or just my opinion, may those things fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true and contain the, the good news of a God who is with us, would you use those things to, to comfort us? Would you use those things, if need be, to break us? Would you use those things to, to make us more like your son, our Savior, Jesus? And it's in his holy name that we pray. Amen. You'll find in your bulletin an outline if you want to follow along with me uh, for this sermon. How many of you are going to go visit loved ones in the next week or so? Anybody going to visit loved ones? Okay, you can say it. You're going to go visit family. How many of you are going to have visits from loved ones coming up this week or two? Probably it's the most busy, wonderful time of the year. We have the privilege of visiting uh, family and friends. But you know the key word in that? Visit. Visit. Because you know what that means? They go home. You go home. I, I, I love my, my mother-in-law visiting me. I love it. It's a wonderful thing. I love my mother-in-law. She here? Meemaw, come visit anytime. But she goes home. If we had a God who simply visited his people we would have reason to celebrate. If God would love us enough just to come pay a visit, wouldn't that be amazing? We gotta understand the depth of God's love. It wasn't enough to visit. It wasn't enough to show up. It wasn't enough just to report in. It wasn't enough to make an appearance. For God so loved the world that he showed up and he lives among us. He came as Emmanuel to come and dwell with us. God comes and he moves in. And he moves in into our very lives. The first thing we see is this. God is with us. Emmanuel has come. And the comfort from knowing that God is with us. The comfort that we know that God, if he's with us, God wants us. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. No, what, no matter what the world tells you, no matter what your brokenness tells you, no matter what your loneliness and melancholy tells you, no matter what the mirror tells you, God wants you. God desires you. God loves you. God loves you enough to come and be with you. Even if no one else does, if no one else you feel in this world cares, there's one who really does. His name is Jesus. And because of that reality, Scripture tells us in 1 Peter 5, 7, it gives us this really bold claim that we have. He says this, you ready? Cast your burdens on God. Everything that's broken, everything that's wrong, everything that's heavy, everything that you're carrying that just is so, so hard. This loving God who's Emmanuel says, come and cast it on me. Why? Because I care for you. I don't want you to carry this alone. I don't even want you to carry it. I care for you. Not only the comfort that he cares for us, it's the comfort that he understands us. How many times do you feel like no one really gets this? No one really understands. Jesus does. How does he understand us? He became one of us to understand us. He, he took on our nature. He, he took on our flesh. He, he took on our condition. He even took on our weakness and sins. So he can say, I understand. I get you. Listen, there's one whose name is Emmanuel. No matter what you're going through, who sympathizes with you. 
in the midst of the brokenness, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst, even at Christmas time, who whispers and says, I get it. I get you. I love you. Cast your burdens onto me. I understand. But this God, he's so much greater than just wanting to be with us and, and wanting to and understanding us. He also forgives us. He mends us. Incredible that they, this God would come and, and do everything necessary to give us life and life abundantly. When I was reading that sermon of that pastor in the 1800s, that Scottish pastor, he preached out of Isaiah 40, 41 and 2, which is a little bit of an unusual Christmas sermon. But he looked at his congregation and he realized how broken they were and he knew that God had a message for them. Emmanuel is here. God says comfort his people. Let me read to you uh, Isaiah 40, verse 1. It says this, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Don't you love the fact that Almighty God longs to speak tenderly to us? But there's more. He speaks tenderly to us. But he cries to us and to our warfare that has ended. He cries out saying, your iniquity is pardoned. Here's the point. If you are a child of the king and Emmanuel has come for you, your sins have been nailed to the cross. Emmanuel cries out over you and says, you're pardoned, you're forgiven, you're loved, you're free, you're mine. And no matter what whispers in your ear that accuses you, and that's what Satan loves to do, accuse you, and remind you of everything you're not, and remind you of everything you've done you shouldn't have done, and to remind you of everything that is still broken. There's a voice that cries out louder, and it's the voice of Emmanuel that says, you are mine, and you are forgiven, and your sins have been separated as far as the east is from the west. That, my brothers and sisters, is amazing Good news. Why? Because Emmanuel, God has come to be with us. Well, there's even more than that. He comes and he says that he will always be with us. The God who says, I want to give you comfort that there'll never be a nanosecond. No matter how you feel, no matter what experiences you're in, no matter if you even walk through the valley of the shadow of death, never will you be alone. Jesus, at the end of his earthly ministry, right before he rises to his Father's right hand, where he remains now to intercede for us, gives us this great commission. And he tells us to go into all the world and to make disciples and baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But here's what he says at the very end. But lo, but listen, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. I know in times in your life, I know there's times you can feel so desperately alone. There's going to be times in your life you're going to say, God, have you left the building? And we know the reality that Emmanuel is God has come for us. And he experienced the, the hell of the father's wrath on the cross as the father turned away from his son. And Jesus would cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he couldn't look on sin. He did it so he will never turn from you. He did it so he will never forsake you. That Emmanuel will always be with you. You see, we celebrate that at Christmas, God with us. But the reality is all of scripture cries, God with us. Let me just take a minute and let me unfold Genesis to Revelation and show you how much God longs to be with us. God made you fearfully and wonderfully. God made you male and female in his image. God made you ultimately to know and to love him. 
And he made us for a paradise. He made us in a garden. And, and what do we do in the Garden of Eden? We walk with God. He dwelled with us in the garden in the cool of the evening. And even when we sinned and we rebelled from God and our, and our sinfulness drove us out of holy God's presence and drove us out of the garden, God still says, I long to be with my people. I long to dwell with them. Amazing, get to the book of Exodus and you realize that God has miraculously taken them out of slavery and here they are wandering in the desert. But guess what? God wants to be with them. A pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. When God's people are huddled in, in tents, what does God say? I want to tabernacle with them. Build me a tent in the midst of them because I want to dwell right there with them. When they get to the promised land, what does God say? He says, build a temple where I will place my name because why? I want to be with my people. And then Jesus comes. It's a celebration of Christmas. God puts on flesh. I mean, the one who creates all things puts on flesh. And it says in John 1, 14, that the word became flesh and he tabernacled. He pitched a tent. He dwelt with us. Why? Because God has always longed to dwell with us. And now he says to those of us who are his, he says, now you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now you and me are the place where God and man dwell here on earth. And you get to the end of the story in Revelation 21 and it tells us the amazing hope of the new heavens and the new earth. And you got this declaration that says that there will be a time that God individually and personally will wipe away every single one of your tears. There is a day coming that he is going to shut the door to misery forever. He's going to do away with death and he's going to do away with sorrow and misery. And I can't wait for that second advent. But he says this, God and man will dwell together. You will be my people. I will be your God. Emmanuel, it's already started. But oh, how we long for that day for it to finally come. God has always longed to be with us. God is with us. It comforts us. But there's more. God is for us. This God who's always with us, he's, he likes us. He's, he's on our side. He's for us. And what comfort that should bring us that God really is for us. Let me, let me read Romans. Romans chapter 8, verses 31. This might be familiar to some of you, but listen again to the amazing love and tenderness and comfort of God's word. Verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that was raised, who is at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us. Listen, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is not only with us, God is for us. And the amazing thing is saying this is that nothing, nothing will separate us from that love. Not even ourselves. Not even our brokenness and depravity. 
Not even the countless things that we still do wrong. Nothing. Not even life or death or no demonic power. God is for us. God is with us. That should bring us great comfort. He will conquer. We will be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. This is what it means. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, we will stand before holy God and we will be beloved because we will be in Christ Jesus. And he says, I love you. Come in and fellowship with me because all I see is the righteousness of my son. At the end of the day, our standing will be in Christ alone and that will be sufficient. And we are dearly loved. No accusation will be leveled against us. Why? Because God is for us. Because God came for us. But he did even more. God has redeemed us. The comfort that he's with us, the comfort that he's for us, but the comfort that we belong to him. The Jakes has got the saddest Christmas card we've ever gotten. And I might say it might be the saddest Christmas card that anybody's ever gotten this year. It was so pathetic and so sad. It came from somebody that I've known all my life, uh, somebody who had a cottage that was next to our cottage. Uh, She's become a widow in the last five or so years, but she really lost her husband probably five years before that. Uh, It really lost his mind. And to see that was very sad. They have one son, one son who lives in another state and has children, but never comes to visit her. I mean, never there, never see him. And she's always alone. And we do what we can to try to love on her and and include her in our family. But there's just this like overwhelming sadness. Here's the Christmas card. Open it up. One sentence. I'm trying to stay busy. I'm trying to stay busy. I mean, I'm trying to make my life matter. I'm trying to have something that counts. I'm I'm trying to stay busy. I mean, it it was like, Katie's like, Jeff, you got to call her like now. That's a plea. I'm trying to stay busy. See, when someone doesn't feel like family, when somebody who feels like they're on the outside looking in, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, it's really hard. But the reality of Jesus, the reality of Emmanuel, God with us, is that he came so that we would be a part of God's family. That we would never be on the outside looking in to God's family. Let me read to you one of my favorite passages. This this passage in Galatians 4. uh, This is what I did my Greek exegesis paper on in seminary. uh, Has always been one of my favorites. Listen to God's word and the depth of God's love for us in Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, and this is what Christmas time is. It's the fullness of time when God couldn't stand it any longer, that he had himself step in and bring us comfort and bring us hope. When the fullness of time had come, God the Father would send forth his son, born of a woman. There's that virgin birth. Born of a woman. There's that promise made way back in Genesis 3.15 that from the woman's seed would come one who would trample on Satan's head. Born of a woman. Born under the law, the one who gave us the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts that we can call out to Holy God in the universe, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir 
through God. Everything, everything that God, uh, only begotten son, deserves is the only begotten son he's given to us. Everything he's earned as the obedient son he has given to us. You see, because Emmanuel, because God with us loves us that deeply, slaves like us, slaves to our sin and our brokenness, have become sons and daughters. We belong. Are you in Christ? You belong. You're in the family. Abba, Father, is your Father. And because we belong and because we are sons, we are heirs. Scripture says everything in the heavenly realms that Christ Jesus has, and that's everything, he freely and lovingly gives to us. God couldn't love us more. He wouldn't love us less. Why? All of this because Emmanuel, God is with us. God has given given us himself. God has given us God. And that should bring us hope and comfort no matter what we find ourselves in. You see, it's tragic times like these that when we think of Saul and a man who had such an amazing ministry and impacted so many people, I mean, I ask it, and I'm sure many others are like, why God? Why God? Why, why him? Why now? What are you doing? How many times did we ask why? How many times did some of you are asking that right now? How many times are some of you asking where? Where are you, God? Where are you? When are you going to show up? Where are you? See, Christmas is God's answer. No matter what, God is there. No matter what, we may not see it, but he is there. I asked Jack to come and sing a song that kind of points to the reality that God is here even when we don't sense it. Jack lost his voice. If you're wondering why Jack's not talking and singing, it's, he's lost his voice. So he's going to come, he's going to play, um, and Roy's going to sing this song. Let me encourage you, listen to these words, especially for those of you who are asking those why questions, and be reminded, Emmanuel, God really is with us.